What's happening, Shore Conference? You're listening to the Weekly Coaches Corner segment brought to you by our friends at Varsity Link. Varsity Link is a social media app for athletes. So if you're a Shore Conference athlete or an up-and-coming youth or middle school athlete following our coverage, we cannot emphasize enough that you should download the Varsity Link app and get your profile started. Check it out today, and here's your hosts, Bob Batters and Scott Stump. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Varsity Link Coaches Corner football show on the Shore Sports Network. Scott Stump here. I'm Bob Batters. Back for another week talking Shore Conference football and you know, going a little bit more in-depth on a couple teams. It was a big week six, a uh, bunch of huge games around the shore. We had multiple teams clinch at least uh, a piece of division titles. The playoffs are coming up soon, so some of those teams and a few others had some big wins uh, to really help their playoff standings and a whole bunch more. So we we broke down all the games in full on the Shore Sports Network football podcast. So you can check out that, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, same thing with the Varsity Link Coaches Corner. The audio is on there as well. So be sure to check that out. Uh, excited to talk to uh, two head coaches today. Their team's coming off big wins. Uh, first, we'll be joined by Manalitman head coach Dominic Lapore, and then later on, Freehold Township head coach, Corey Davies. So one of those huge wins was Manalpin's 24-23 win over Point Borough. We'll get to that in depth when we have Dom on, but you know, a huge one that I was at on Saturday was in the Freehold Regional District as well. It was number eight Marlboro hosting number seven Jackson Memorial. Uh, two undefeated teams, a piece of the Freedom Division title on the line. It was Marlboro coming out with the win and really was one of the biggest games in program history. A defensive masterpiece. They shut Jackson down. 11-2 was the final score, only allowed a safety on special teams. They shut down a high-powered running attack, only allowed 116 yards of offense. And uh, it was a dynamic day for that Marlboro defense and an important one for the program. Yeah, they did what uh, a lot of people didn't think could be done, right? Jonah Glenn had not been stopped all year. The sophomore running back for Jackson hadn't been held under 100 yards or even close to it all season, 44 yards. And I thought the a telling statistic was I believe only had like 13 carries. Yes. So that was a big thing of like Marlboro dominating Thomas possession and, and getting so many three and outs that Jackson just didn't even have a lot of plays uh, in the game. But <clears throat> when you have one of these rebuilding efforts, like Jason Degato has led there, you like to have something concrete to show for it rather than just the winning record or something like mm -hmm. that. So to get that division title is so huge for them. They also clinched their third straight winning season, which they've never done in school history. Uh, and I think they proved some doubters wrong. You know, people wondered, is this upstart program, you know, going against a traditional Jackson program, traditional power, great young running back. Could they really do it? And their defense was incredible. And also, I'm glad that you finally dried off from the game. <laughs> it actually wasn't that bad. I was like you said, I was dressed like the Gorton's fisherman but with uh, the full rain gear on. So it only rained a little bit first quarter, thankfully, because I was prepared for a monsoon. But yes, Marlboro really i think impressing people and the crazy part is it's not they have another big one this week yeah you know? talking about traditional powers yeah now they face they go on the road to face a rumson team which is still a top 10 team but marlboro's actually a team ranked ahead of them so still though that that's going to be a big test going on the road and it's a rumson team that you know has now lost four games in a row and is really going to try to bounce back of course their schedule is you know, probably the most difficult in the shore. We consider Rumson's non-divisional games, you know, point for a matter of one. Yeah, their quote-unquote easiest game yeah. 
was Madawan, who's now three and four and, you know, trying to roar a back into team. the picture and a ranked team. So that, yeah, their schedule is unbelievable. But in the preseason, you might not have looked at this game and thought, oh, this is going to be a huge game. But now yeah. that's a top 10 matchup. And as far as PowerPoint, you know, your playoff seating and things like that, Rumson already has like a billion points just yeah. because of their schedule which is kind of crazy to look at their record and then see them number one, I think. The Point Burrow slipped up one game and Rumson jumped them because their their OSI is so high because, you know, you look at that American division and we've talked about it outside of the the North Jersey Super Football Conference, the, the non-public division up there. You know, I don't think there's a tougher division in the state than the Shore American. And also, can we just talk about what a week the Freehold Regional District had in football? Yes. Marlboro clinches their first title since 1994. We're going to get to the Manalapan amazing upset over previously unbeaten Point Borough. Mm -hmm. Freehold Township wins an absolute heart stopper against Brick. Was huge for their playoffs. Howell gets off the deck and has now won two in a row and put themselves in playoff position. And then after Manalapan takes down Point Borough, that opens the door for Colts Neck to potentially tie for division title. And Colts Neck goes out on Saturday and routes Raritan to stay, you know, one win away from getting a, a piece of the Colonial Division title. It's funny you mentioned that because I was looking at our our football coverage on ShoresportsNetwork.com and just going through, and I was thinking the same thing. I was like, we've really touched on the Freeland Regional District a lot. We've had multiple coaches on. Their teams have had big wins. We've honored them with uh, Team of the Week awards, which I should mention, Marlboro, our Week 6 Jersey Mike's Team of the Week. So um, Steve Meyer was up there on Tuesday, presented Jason Degato and, and the Mustangs with a special game ball, $500 Jersey Mike's gift card, which goes to all of our Team of the Week recipients, which Manalpin and Freehold Township were already yes. this season. So Manalpin's already done gorging themselves. A lot, lot of Mike. subs. you got to spread it around. You know they're only ordering the Italian subs on <laughs> church land. So, <laughs> Absolutely. So, and, and you know what? It was, a, it was a big win for division titles. Real quick, before we bring in Dom, uh, you were out of game, Holmdale, another dominant victory, 30 nothing shutout over Ocean. They clinch at least a piece of the Constitution division title. Uh, a game I was at Friday at Tom's over South improves to five and one clinches at least the share of the Liberty division title first for the Indians since 2002. So while we're on the streak, you know, with Marlboro first since 94, you know, same thing, you know, an eight year difference, but you know, a long time coming for the Indians. Yeah. That was a landmark win for them too. Like Matt Martin, we talked about with on this show, their head coach, that's like probably their biggest game in 10 years. Yeah. Easily. Uh, yeah. And to break that drought, that's a real, you know, concrete evidence of their progress. And not only that, that was a one home Dell and Tom's herself were one win teams last year. Yeah. And now they're both division the champions. complete 180. Yes. So really impressive job by both of those guys. And then you also had Keyport clinching the Patriot division title because they just have the one game well, that's against Pittsburgh yes. left this mm -hmm. week where they can win it outright. Uh, your alma mater, Brick Memorial, their first title since 2017. 2015, which was a tri-championship. Right. So another great – and they can clinch it all for themselves against Brick next week. Mm -hmm. uh, and interestingly enough, Freehold Township, if Brick does shock yes. They're waiting Brick in the Memorial, weeds. Freehold Township can beat Barnegat and get a piece. Yeah. They've never won a division title in school history. Mm -hmm. So they're they're gonna have their like yeah, they, green they, dragons yeah. like varsity jackets on like they beat brick and then they're like can we you got some of those pom poms we'll give us for next week yes exactly in two weeks we'll be they'll be sitting in the stuff. stands like high fiving like <laughs> like brick parents so yeah that that uh, is another big one but you're right it's that time of year we really only the only intrigue left will Point Borough and Colts Neck finish the job yes high uh, Point Borough still has Raritan. Mm -hmm. 
Colts still has Long Branch. Not an easy game no, at all. Not- they would both have to win to tie for that title. The American division, as we know, still totally up in the air. If uh, RBC comes out and beats Tom's River North next week, then and that shows the winner well, take and Donovan, and Donovan has, has to beat Middletown, Middletown South, South right. who beat them last year. Yes. So two hard games for those guys. But if they win, then it's number one versus number two, probably for the final number one ranking in the shore yeah. on October 27th which coincides with the start of the public school playoffs. I mean, that's going to be a monster Friday. A loaded weekend that will be if uh, that holds up. So we've buried the lead long enough. Uh, You know, the the biggest game of the weekend was Manalapan's 24-23 upset win over previously unbeaten Point Borough. And we'll talk about it. So right now we're uh, happy to welcome in Manalapan head coach Dominic Lepore. Dom, uh, a huge win for you guys. You know, talking to some people within the program, you, know, you guys have accomplished so much. Uh, Manalapan has certainly during your tenure there as a defensive coordinator, then the head coach, you know, championship games, division titles galore. I had a lot of people tell me that was a top three, top five game the way it ended. So uh, I imagine things are pretty, pretty nice on Church Lane uh, on this yeah. night. Yeah. First of all, guys, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on. I mean, uh, you guys know how I feel about you, you know, what you guys do for the short conference. And I always say you guys got a great pulse. Got a great. I, I listened to a podcast last night. I mean, you guys got a great pulse on our team. You know, the the agents of chaos, and uh, <laughs> I thought that was pretty neat. But yeah, no, I mean, you know, I've been around a long time, and and that game is right up there with the state championship game in 2014. I, I just told the kids today uh, that game in 2017 when we beat Piscataway 21 nothing at home. That was a huge win for our program. So no, that that game the other night was uh, one of the biggest in, in school history. I talked to uh, Anthony Macchio, one of your senior stars last night. He said, you know, you basically pitched this as this is do or die. If you want to get in the playoffs, you have to have this game. You guys are a perennial playoff team, but like you had to do it the hard way if you were going to do it. Uh, What was the sentiment like just going into that game, especially coming off, you know, some tough losses? How are you able to pull it together coming into that game? Well, you know, Scott, I thought about that and I had to figure you guys going to ask that question. And, you know, for us, it's really been like, the tale of two seasons and the first three games, I thought we were playing so well, you know, with two and one, I mean, even the Jackson game, I mean, obviously I had a shot there to win it at the end. Um, But, you know, we were flawless. We didn't turn the ball over. Um, We were, you know, we were scoring points, playing great defense. And then all of a sudden, you know, we played Colts neck and it was just, uh, I think the wheels kind of fell off and all the things that we didn't do the first three games, all of a sudden we're turning the ball over, you know, we're committing more penalties than than our opponents. And, you know, obviously when you do those things, you can't win football games. And, you know, the Raritan game and the Howell game, both those games, we had opportunities to win, you know? So, uh, you know, we go up 14, nothing against Howell. And all of a sudden we're going in halftime, we're down 18, 14. And, and I told the kids this, I said, go out and play to win, you know, play to win just like you did the first three weeks, because what was starting to happen is, you know, you're playing not to lose. And all of a sudden something bad happens and guys are looking around at each other. You know, when is the shoe going to drop? And all of a sudden, you know, it's like it was a snowball effect. And I said, guys, just go out and play to win, you know, and why not be us? Why not be us? You know, and uh, we have a tremendous amount of respect for Brian, and, you know, and what they do there. But, you know, we felt like, you know, the game plans were going to be, um, you know, right on point. And if the kids executed, we have a good shot of winning the game. Yeah, quite a few standouts uh, come up with big plays throughout the night. And the, the eventual game winning touchdown, your sophomore running back, Osir Wolfolk, you know, a thunderous 55-yard touchdown run. I mean, he had a big stiff arm right in the hole to kind of spring himself free. 
What's that like on the sidelines? Because that fourth quarter was edge of your seat madness. It was back and forth. They go ahead, then you guys go back ahead. So, you know, watching him run down the sidelines there, uh, that had to be – that stadium yeah. must have been shaking. No, no, no. The, the, the stadium erupted. I mean, again, like you said, that, that whole game, it was just a tremendous football game back and forth. And, uh, you know, Doc, you know, the quarterback, Ryan Doherty, he, he was right on. The offensive line played their tails off and, and were physical up front. And Asir played a great game. The receivers blocked on the perimeter and caught touchdown passes. You know, it was just a total team effort. Jimmy DePaulo and the defensive staff just did a tremendous job. And I swear, I, you know, I sat in the office with the coaches and, and I told them this. I said, you know, I thought our offense was good enough to score points. And I told the guys, I said, listen, I think if we can, if we can hold them between 24 to 28 points, I think we're going to have a shot to win the game. And, uh, you know, we held them to 23. And like I said, the guys executed the game plan and, uh, you know, it was just a tremendous football game. And they came in this game averaging 42 points a game. They'd scored 30 or more in 15 of their last 16 games. I mean, this was like an offensive powerhouse. Yeah. But you guys hold them under 30. What do you feel like? And you don't see that offense very much on your schedule, that triple yeah. option. So, no. you know, Oliphant did hurt you, but, you know, it felt like Jake Croce never really had a huge game running the ball. Were there certain keys that you feel like you executed well against that offense? Scott, I'll tell you what. Um, and again, I, I, you know, if you guys have time, we have a bye week, so I could be here all night and we could talk about uh, <laughs> football. I'm in no rush, but I mean, there's so many key elements that go into trying to stop that offense. And I really felt that our, our defensive staff has a tremendous amount of experience. And, you know, I thought about this as well. I said, we've, we've gone against the Joey Georges of South Brunswick, the Bobby DeMarcos of Old Bridge, and even Walt Curry, you know, at Brick Memorial. So we've faced, and Brian as a quarterback, I coached against Brian when he was a quarterback. So, I felt like our defensive game plan, you know, was going to be right there. And I'll tell you what, it's funny. You cannot, like you say, Scott, you cannot simulate that offense because you don't play it enough. So I knew exactly what we had to do. You don't have a quarterback in your program that could run that offense. So over the weekend, the defensive coordinator, Jimmy DePaul, says, Dom, what do you want to do? I said, we're going to take our offensive line coach, Billy Smith, who played for me at Free Old Township. He's going to be the quarterback. And we put that, and we put the helmet and shoulder pads on him. And Billy came out on Monday. And he was the quarterback. And I'll tell you what, he knew he knows exactly how it's got to hit, you know, from under center that that offense hits, uh, hits pretty fast. And uh, like you said, Olafon, he's a great player. But the biggest thing that we said was we didn't want him going 60, 70 or 80. If they were going to score, they were going to have to really earn it, you know. And the other key is this. When you play against a triple option and I tell the kids, I don't pull any punches. You're not going to shut it out. You're not going to stop them. The key to playing against a triple option is you have to try to slow it down. It means you have to get off the field. You got to have your three and outs. You got to make them punt a couple of times. And uh, I'll tell you another key is this. I think we, of all the films we watched, the five games, I think they've only pitched the ball four times in those five games. So we said, number one, you got to take away the dive, right? You got to take away Crochet. Then you got to take away Oliphant and you got to make them pitch the ball. And on the first play of the game, he actually pitched the ball. And I think in our game alone, he pitched it at least three or four times. So we accomplished what we wanted, you know, from that standpoint. Yeah. Just a, like you said, a great team win because, yeah. you know, to beat a team like that, obviously you got to have a lot of bounce. Just yeah. I want to go back offensively. Obviously Wolf Oak had the big game. Yeah. Ryan Doherty, your junior quarterback has, you know, in the games you guys have won, he's played really well. He's, yeah. he's taking care of the ball for the most part. He was extremely efficient. I think he only had one incompletion, yeah. made some really big throws when you guys needed it. Um, I believe had a two point conversion uh, throw as well. So what have you seen from him, you know, first year as a starter and as a junior where 
again, in your wins, he's really showed some some really impressive signs. Yeah, you know what, Ryan, Ryan is um he's our first, he's a captain. And I, I think, you know, we, we got guys like Reggie Grant and guys like Lee Rubin that are around the program constantly. I think Ryan might be the first junior captain we've ever had. And that's the type, you know, that says enough about what type of kid he is, his character and his leadership. And, uh, you know, in the offseason, we knew he was a special kid just because of what he did in the weight room. And he was just going to mature and get better and better. But, I mean, the other night, he was just flawless. And like you said, in, in our wins, he's played like that. So, um, you know, he has that capability of doing that. And, and when he's on, he's on. You know, he's got that – I call him, he's got like that Brett Favre moxie. You know, sometimes he makes those throws and you shake your head. You're like, no, 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 no. Yes, yes, yes. Touchdown. You know, it's just he's that type of kid, you know. But, I mean, when he takes care of the ball, like you said, Bob, he's pretty good. And I thought another big thing was Point Borough hadn't trailed much the whole year. They hadn't even really been in a game in the fourth quarter. They pulled Mm -hmm. away from Rumson pretty good there at the end. Was the other feeling like put the pressure on them? You know, get into the fourth quarter, have it be a one-point game, have you be winning, and make them have to be in a situation that they haven't really been in in a while. Yeah, no, Scott, absolutely. And I felt this. I, if we got the got to the point in the second half where we were close, you know, I think the kids were just going to gain more and more confidence, and then we'd have a good shot at the end. And and that's exactly what happened. And and defensively, we just kept on running and, and, and being fit. It was probably the best, best game we played tackling. You know, and even if we made a mistake, because you, you're never perfect against that offense, you're going to make mistakes. We had guys picking it up. So if a defensive lineman made a mistake, the inside linebackers picked it up. If the inside linebackers made a mistake, the safeties picked it up. Uh, Dennis Gabinelli had a big game defensively. Um, he had the interception at the end. Um, he started for Anish Carrera, one of our captains, who now has a shoulder shoulder injury. And Dennis had a great, great game tackling. So, you know, it, it, it was really enjoyable to watch the kids play, how hard they played. And anytime you win a game by one point, there's a lot of individual plays that, you know, are, are crucial. They're maybe not, you know, they don't stand out as much as like, like us here's 55 yard touchdown yeah. run, but you know, you had a, a field goal from your senior kicker, Jake Horowitz, who's been yeah. perfect on field goals all season. Yeah. And then Aiden Wilmot makes a tremendous play on a two point conversion uh, to stop. I believe that was in point where I scored through up 23, yes. 18. So right there, I mean, and that's a fourth quarter stop. So, specifically Aiden's tackle on that two-point conversion. What happened on that play, and how was he able to keep those guys you know, from getting some additional points? Yeah, no, I mean, it, w- it was a play that we practiced against. It was a throwback, and uh, we covered it pretty well. Uh, we sort of running against Manasquan, and, uh, you know, Oliphant pulled up, and then all of a sudden had to go right, and, and Aiden just, uh, Aiden just uh, you know, hawked him down and, and made a great tackle, and, uh, and that was that. But, I mean, it was a play that we, we worked against, so the kids were prepared from that standpoint. Aiden just made a great play. And what does this do for your season in the sense of you, you win a game like that, you beat a team like that. That's got to make you think like, Hey, we can really do something in the playoffs. You know, like if we play to our, especially talking to uh Machio last night, he feels like this is a team we really can be and should be. I yes. Mean, what do you feel like the, the ceiling is for a team like this? If you do play, you know, your best football. Well, no, absolutely. I said, you know, if we go out and we play the way we played on Friday night, you could beat anybody. We could beat anybody. Um, but then again, like you guys were saying last night, you know, we could also go out and, and, and not execute and turn the ball over and then lose to somebody. So, you know, right now, you know, my whole thing with them is I told them we got to have, you know, this ain't a week. You know, we practiced today was the first time we practiced. I said, guys, you know, our foot is staying, you know, staying on the pedal, you know, full. you guys got an advantage right now. We're getting ready for Red Bank Regional and, you know, and they're getting ready for Donovan Catholic. So, 
I mean, you know, right now we're just focused on RBR and, you know, we want to get that one and, and, and take it one game at a time. But, you know, we feel like, you know, we have an opportunity to get in the playoffs. If we play to our full potential, then, uh, you know, we could be a dangerous team in the playoffs. Is it good to have a bye week at this juncture of the season? Yeah, you know what? When our schedules came out, um, and I sort of I said I, I was I was pretty excited about. It. I, I thought it was good, you know, the bye week right before this eighth week, and you know, again being in this position where we have an opportunity to get in the playoffs, maybe get healthy right now because we do have a couple of, you know, you're always gonna have the guys with the hamstrings and the ankles and and things like that. So, you know, we heal up from that standpoint. We'll be full strength next week. And in terms of the playoffs, you guys moved up to 15th in the UPR where the top 16 qualify. You know, you have Red Bank uh, yeah. in two weeks. So have you looked at that at all and kind of figured out the teams you need to root for and residuals and all that stuff? Yeah, I mean, you know, Red Bank, you know, you know, we go out, you know, we do the right thing next week. You know, we win that game. You know, maybe we move up one slot or another. But, I mean, it looks like it could be a short conference team. I mean, Brick Memorial's sitting up there. You know, Jackson is up there. Um, possibly Colts neck, you know, it's going to depend on what happens the next two weeks. Uh, Winslow is up there. So, uh, yeah, we, we, you know, we, we kind of look, but I leave that for the assistant guys, you know, those guys are always doing it. I kind of, I kind of stay, I got to keep the guys grounded and just kind of take it one game at a time. You have enough. Every staff has the math guy. Yes. That's it. (laughs) That's our offensive line. Give me the Jackson rematch. Yeah, yeah, I will yeah. sign up for that tomorrow. I don't think you well, guys would be angry about that either. Yeah, no, no doubt. I tell you that that's you know again. I have a lot of respect for Vinny Mistretta. I know Vinny, you know, since he's been a kid and a player. And after our game, you know, we kind of hugged each other. And Vinny was like, "I'll see you know, I'm sure we'll see each other down the line." So you never know that rematch may happen. Dom, you win a game like you guys did, where you know, as Anthony said to Scott, your back is against the wall. Your season's kind of if you don't win there, like the odds of you guys making the playoffs is is slim to none. So, yeah, you need to win there, and you're going against a a, a team that was one of the best in the shore, undefeated. Yeah. You know, all signs pointed the other way. So when when you can win a game like that, and you see the kind of response that your team has, what does that tell you about that group? And how how proud are you as a coach and as a staff when you know you see them respond in a moment where they have to? Yeah, you know what, Bob. Again, it goes back to. You know, I'm extremely proud of them. And, and even the games that we lost, you know, with the exception of Colts neck that, like I said, those wheels just kind of fell off. And I was kind of like one of those games just totally lay an egg, you know, and it's just nothing could go right. But even in the two losses, the one to Raritan and, and Howell, I mean, we're kicking onside kicks to get the ball back. We actually get the ball back in both games, throwing a Hail Mary. And then, you know, and Howell, we're driving the ball and then we wind up turning it over. But I mean, you know, their fight was always there. I mean, I never questioned their heart or their determination or their will. It was just a matter of let's, we got to limit the mistakes. If we limit the mistakes, we could be, you know, be a real good football team. So, you know, but I'm real proud of the kids. It, this was, this was a community win. This was a program win. And like you said, being right now three and four is a lot better than being two and five, you know, two and five, you know, possibly you're maybe the last seed in the playoffs and you got to go play a one. I mean, that's certainly not easy or, or you're playing in, in the consolation tournament, you know, which, you know, everybody wants to play in the playoffs, but, you know, so 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 it was it was a great win for the program, the whole community. Yeah, the only one disappointed was Bob because he took another three hours to try to figure out the top sixteen rankings. <laughs> <laughs> you have no idea. Yeah, yeah. I, I even know. Wrote it. If NASA has some kind of algorithm where I can just plug everything yeah. in and it spits That's out it. rankings, like I'll, I'll take it. Name your price. We put, we put a monkey wrench into it. We throw a monkey wrench into no, it. Absolutely dropped it. Right? We love like, it. We love it. Every year there's got to be that big upset that shakes mm-hmm. the whole shore, and that's this is absolutely. the one. Yeah, no, absolutely. It was a good one, Dom. It was a so great again, one. 
always great talking to you and uh, you. congratulations uh, to your program on a huge win and best of luck for you guys yeah. going forward. I'm sure you guys are so angry. Like the buy is great, but at the same yeah. time, I'm sure the kids probably don't want to, they probably want to get right back oh, on the yeah. field. But. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. They're ready to go. So <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll keep them going and keep them, you know, keep them energized and, and, and I guess they just have a great week, week and a half of practice. Well, Dom, thanks again, and uh, best of luck to you guys going forward. No, thank you, man. Thanks, Bob. Thanks, Scott. Always great being here. Thank you. That is Manalpin head coach Dom Lapore. Some good stuff from Dom, as always. Great guest. Really giving us some insight uh, onto that team, and he's certainly right. Like, they weren't – those outside of the Colts neck loss, like, they went down swinging in those games. They just didn't come out on the right side. Yeah, I, th- I think it was more – like Dom said, they, they were kind of stuck in the mud in a lot of those games with penalties and turnovers. And it's like they woke up, but just too late where you're getting onside kicks and like having to get into desperation mode where if you just pulled it together a quarter earlier or something like that, maybe you win that game. But they ha- they're they one of the biggest wild cards in the short conference, yeah. right? You don't know what could happen. They could go in the playoffs and shock a few more teams. That wouldn't surprise anybody. And again, it's still Manalapin. Like to me, it's like, oh my God, these big yes. upset. It doesn't seem that way because we're just so used to that program playing at a high level, which, and we know they're always capable of that, that it's not like some undersung program. It, it was more the know. circumstances of yeah. Point Burrow was riding so high. Manalpin had lost multiple games. And I think it was row. the common opponents yes. too, like Colts Neck, Point Burrow, like took care of them pretty mm-hmm. good. And then they go out and, and Manalpin loses a lopsided game to them. So you look at the teams that they played. And you're thinking, oh, you know, this probably shouldn't be that close, like on paper. But like you said, the transitive property it does not work any longer. No. So, well, from one Freehold Regional School to another, we're going to come out Church Lane, make a right on Taylor's Mills Road, make a right <laughs> on Route Nine, and go all the way down to Freehold Township. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we will talk to Freehold Township head coach Corey Davies on the Patriots' huge win in Week Six. So we'll talk to him when we're back. After this, you are watching and listening to the Varsity Link Coaches Corner on the Shore Sports Network. Welcome back to the Varsity Link Coaches Corner Football Show on the Shore Sports Network. Scott Stump and Bob Batters talking Shore Conference football. Uh, great time talking to Dom Lapore of Manalpin off the Braves' huge 24-23 win over Point Borough. Now we're going to go down Route 9 and touch with Freehold Township. The Patriots, a, a heart-stopping, as you said, thrilling, scintillating, whatever adjective you want to use. To describe their 27-26 win over Brick, you'd be accurate. And we are excited right now to talk to Freel Township head coach, Corey Davies. So, Corey, thank you very much for taking some time uh, on this evening. Not a bye week for you guys like Dom. So you're, you're still working for an opponent this week. But that was a huge win. You know, Scott said he talked to your quarterback, Nick Cardone, um, kind of said it was a must win for you guys. And you came out, delivered. It took, you know, pretty much all 48 minutes. But you guys found a way to get it done. So, first of all, thanks for joining us and congrats on the big victory. Oh, thank you very much, and thanks for having me on, okay? And, uh, yes, it was a, a, a big-time win for us. Uh, I look back at Township, the years I've been here, I mean, it might have been one of the better ones or best ones we've had. You know, I go back last year, we did knock off Brick Memorial in a similar type of way, but it was a little bit different. But, uh, yeah, it was an outstanding win for us. 
Yeah. You know, I was joking with Scott and he even said this to me. He said, there could have been no team name attached to it. If I just would have said, Hey, there was a short conference team that hit a hook and lateral late in the game and went on to win. He would have immediately known it was Friel Township. So let's get right to that end of the game. You guys get a stop on defense. You're trailing, uh, I believe with 26, 21 at the time. Um, and you hit a 43 yard hook and lateral. And then I think on the next play, your quarterback, Nick Cardone, hit John Paul Cortez for the winning touchdown. So the hook and lateral has been such a huge part of your playbook. Going back to your days at Howell, you've hit it in so many big games. So just tell us about the moment, how you guys kind of came to that conclusion, like this is the time to bust it out. Well, it's usually we usually have an opportunity in the different times in the game. And, you know, it's an interesting thing. We had tried it two or three plays prior to, and we bounced the ball. We didn't get it to the receiver, so it didn't really work. But then we could see that it was open, and then when we did do it, I mean, it was perfect. I mean, the ball was thrown perfectly, and Jalen Gilly Anderson caught it and pitched it. And Bobby Loft, this is the funniest part about it. We practice thing, this thing once a week usually, usually on a Thursday. We might throw it in there on a Tuesday, but usually it's one time. Bobby Loft has never run it because <laughs> Nick Carnival, who usually runs it, was hurt. But Bobby knew how to do it, and he said, yes, I can do it. And he got it and got went down the sideline. And, yes, then the next play we were able to hit John Paul. Cortez in, in the end zone on a long ball and, and uh, take the lead. And having Nick Cardone back there had to give you confidence that even though there's not a lot of time left, you can still get down the field in a hurry. What was the feeling like or what are you saying to him before that last drive with only a handful of minutes left in the game? Well, we, we thought we could do it. I mean, we practice two-minute offense quite often. You know, we'll do that on a Wednesday and then we'll also go back and do it on a Thursday. So we're pretty – confident in how we can do that and be able to do it. And he's understands, you know, the different situations that come into it with, you know, sometimes you need an incompleted pass just to stop the clock. You need this, you know, get the ball out of bounds rather than throw it in the middle of the field and things like that. So, you know, Nick is pretty good at it. And I mean, he's had the opportunity to do it now. People don't realize that he played three games as a freshman. We brought him up in the freshman and he had to play as a freshman and it was interesting. He didn't even know the offense, but he learned it watching huddle and learned it from practice and uh, did a great job as a freshman. He played last year and now this year he's doing outstanding. And I, you've coached God knows how many all shore quarterbacks during your time. But the one thing I think that's different for him, maybe than some of the guys you have in the past is his running ability. He has 400, you know, three yards rushing and four TDs in addition to 1500 yards passing and 14 touchdowns. What extra element does that add, his ability to take off and run and make plays? Oh, it makes it big time because then – and he knows when to leave. I probably made a mistake. I said we only had one sack in the first six games, and then we got sacked twice against Brick. <laughs> he allows us to get out of the out of those situations. He reminds me somewhat at the times of the Sean O'Reilly, who I had yeah, back at Howard. Right. He would also take off and run, and a lot of his runs – look like draws, but they're not draws. They're him making making plays and doing those kind of things. And, yes, I mean, usually the quarterbacks in our program are at minus yards rushing. They don't have 400-some yards rushing. Right. And, you know, your best teams throughout your career when you, you know, switch to the, you know, the spread slash air raid, you know, have been when you've had, you know, obviously a good quarterback, but multiple pass-catching options and that balance where you have some standouts, but it's never just one guy. And you certainly have that this season. Four players with 20 or more receptions. Uh, John Paul Cortez has six touchdowns. Nick Carnival has five. Jalen Gill Anderson and Noah Cancella also up over 20. And like you said, even Bobby Loff was able to come in and make a huge play when he needed to. So how impressive has that been, the the depth there um, and the development of those guys? Two seniors, two juniors, and all four of them have been really integral to your offense. 
Yeah, they have been. And that's one of the things we try to preach, or I try to preach to myself and the play calling and so forth. Because if you look at our running backs, our running backs have 18 catches, the two of them together. So mm-hmm. we try to keep balance. And if you know a little bit about air raid offense and stuff, and Mike Leach, and he always talks about balance, and he says balance is all five eligibles having the ball. You know, and would we try to look at it that they do that, that the balance goes to all five positions, and people have to realize that they got to cover all five people. And now, one mm-hmm. way it is now with Nick Cardone taking off running, now you got a, a six guy taking it as well. And defensively, you've made some really good strides. Like that was a a unit that Nick Cardone really singled out, especially your ability to create turnovers. Mm -hmm. Uh, He said, now, did you get the ball back via turnover or was it just a stop at the end there near brick? It was a stop at the end. So we were able, and you know, our defense did extremely well at the end of the game. You know, they, they had two stops. We had a stop before that and we actually fumbled and we had to get another stop after that. And then at the end of the game, after we scored, uh, there was 50 some seconds to go and we stopped them in four plays. They didn't get a yard. So, you know, the defense really came through and did an outstanding job and has improved from the beginning of the season. We were a little off the game one against Middletown North, but since then they played a much better game. And you also had a defensive touchdown in the game, which was certainly huge. You know, Sebastian Andujar returning the fumble for a touchdown, if I'm, if I'm correct. And he's had a big year for you guys too. I mean, you've had a few guys on defense play well, you know, he's, 52 tackles. He's got six tackles for a loss. He had the, he's got an interception, a fumble return. Play some running back for you as well, but it seems like Sebastian, as a senior, has really kind of taken the lead defensively. He has. And he, we started he, a year ago, we played the entire season as an outside linebacker. After our first game this year, we decided to do a little couple of things differently defensively, and we put him in the middle. And he really has an instinct. His instinct is great playing in there. And you never know what's going to happen when you move an outside linebacker to the inside because it's a whole other world and being able to do it. And he's done it extremely well. And he makes plays when he shouldn't make plays. And it's, sometimes it's almost like as a coach, it's like, no, don't do that. What do you do? Oh, nice tackle. Tackle for a <laughs> loss. You're not supposed to be there. But he does a great job with it. It sounds like Dom, you're just saying the same thing, talking about what his players before. I'm sure that happens a lot as a coach. Like, what are you doing? Great job. <laughs> It does. It does happen that way. And a lot of the best players do things that you're, you don't want them to do. And you might grade them a minus, but, you know, it was a great play. And you're doing a similar job at Freehold Township that you did at Howell in the sense of there wasn't a ton of success before you're getting before you got there, you know, maybe a season here or there. But it seems like making the playoffs has become a regular expectation since you've gotten there. Uh, how big was this win, especially, yeah, because this vaulted you up to a playoff spot, and now you're in position, you know, if you handle business here these last couple of years, you might even get a home playoff game. What has it been like just kind of changing the feeling around that program of, like, we should be in the playoffs every year, and, and then the next step is we should be challenging for a title? Yes, actually, when I was hired, the main thing that the administration and the interviews and after I was hired was, we want to be in the playoffs. And that was all they talked about in the interview process and so forth. And they did want me to give a five-year uh, commitment, which I gave them a five. I actually said I might be around for 10 or 15, but uh, they they wanted to, to get in the playoffs because they had only been in the playoffs one other time before that, four winning seasons in 43 years, which I looked up as the worst in the short conference, maybe in the state. But we wanted to get in the playoffs and we were fortunate the first three years to get in the playoffs, won our first ever playoff game. Mm-hmm, we're in the right. playoffs last year. And, you know, we're back in position right now to get playoffs. And I never even thought, because I don't, I look at those things, but I don't understand them that well anymore. You know, the PowerPoints used to be easy. Now they have OSIs and all these different things. I don't know what they're, <laughs> I didn't know we had a chance for a home game. I got, we got to 
rev it up and hope those other teams lose. But uh, <laughs> I know we're sitting at what eleven, so yeah, it's it's awesome to get the opportunity to be in the playoffs. And the the program's never won a division title, so I, you know, you have to take care of business and and hope. You know, brick can knock off brick moral. So, did you just go right across after you beat them and ask for some green and white, you know, uh, you know, team wear and stuff like that? You're going to be hanging out with, you know, Friel Dutcher parents hanging out with the brick parents in two weeks? Uh, no, we're not. But this is, now you say that Coach McNamara at Brick, his, his mm-hmm. stepson is on our team, uh, Jake oh, okay. Ratner. And I did say to Jake, make sure you talk to your father about, or stepfather <laughs> about beating Brick Memorial. That was before we played Brick. So I, if he did, his father was like, what do you they think we're going to win or lose? But, uh, so hopefully they do that. As someone who has been to the mountaintop and won a state championship, what do you think it's going to take to get to that point? You know, that you've become a playoff regular. Now the next step is being in that sectional final, you know, getting that title. What do you think it will take to take that next jump up, which is for most programs, that's the hardest thing to do. Yeah. I mean, it definitely will be probably if anything else is luck. And when I say that luck would, you know, being able to, we can't recruit, but get players in that, our top level players. Cause when I look back at those years at Howell that we were in the state title games, we were playing in Rutgers three times. We had some really, really good players. And the, you know, we, it wasn't so much us as coaches a little bit, but we had great players and we, we got to be able to get those kind of players again, that a bunch of them, not just a few to be able to do that. And hopefully we can, I mean, this was a group that I was really excited to have to be able to coach this group. And back in February, we had a lot of different plans and so forth. We had to alter some things because some things changed in the personnel, yeah. but uh, being able to do it. And they they were a very good freshman group. You know, and sometimes you look at your freshman team and how they do. You know, we've had freshman teams that didn't win a game. And, you know, when they become seniors, you're, you're hoping that the juniors can help them out. This group was pretty good, uh, very good as freshmen. And, and it's been a really good group. You know, like Scott said, with the the – building of the program at Friel Township. You know, it's a school that has had success in a lot of different sports. So sort of the passions there when you're winning, obviously, you know, the fans come out more, there's more interest. So how exciting has that been to see that where, you know, the, the home games are packed and the student sections are into it. And obviously you guys are giving them plenty of reasons to cheer. You know, our colleague, Kevin Williams has always said this, like the football season can set the tone for the whole school year for the school. So, What's it like in the fall when the program's playing well and the school has that buzz to it? Oh, definitely. I mean, people have said that for years. I mean, I've had principals come and say that, you know, to to me about the season and so forth. I mean, that's just something that has always been said. And it's great when the teams play well and people, the fans come to it and the student body gets into it. And, you know, that's just, just, just an awesome feeling to be able to do that and have our players feel that way as well. When you were first at Howell and you installed that offense, it mm-hmm. took the shore by storm. You know, no one could stop it. Back then, there was no team that had, like, multiple defensive backs mm-hmm. who could guard that many good receivers, all that. Now that it's years later and a lot more teams run spread and, and all that kind of stuff, how have you adjusted? You know, what kind of wrinkles – like, have you seen teams defend you way differently in recent years? Or is it now where everybody kind of defends it the same way? Or what's that been like – now that it's been a while since, you know, you first installed that offense. I, I tell our kid, I was just telling them today, it's like playing against ghosts because we never know what the other team's going to do when they line up on defense. What their defense that they've run, maybe all of a sudden they'll 
change from a three man or four man line to a three man line to all of a sudden from a three deep coverage to a two deep coverage. And a lot of times that's good because they haven't practiced. They've only practiced it a week and all of a sudden they're trying to change things up. So we really never know, even back in 2005, 2006, you know, we never knew what we were going to see, you know, and we'll go down through and practice different, different things. And hopefully our kids understand the, the dynamics of the offense and what they have to do. And, you know, we were trying to be a progression read with our routes and stuff. A lot of the plays are the exact same plays. We changed the names only because of different places that I went. But, uh, you know, if Sean O'Reilly walked in, he would be able to say, oh, that was so-and-so. Or, you know, whoever would be able to uh, – Derek Reichenbach, who's coached for me for years, will always – he goes up in the press box now for and he repeats the play as a Howell play, not the – Township. <laughs> I don't remember what they were. And Fellow I, Jets fan, Derek Reichenbach. And uh, another thing is, these things don't work <laughs> without an offensive line that's good. And you were just yes. talking, they hadn't given up a lot of sacks. And not a ton of young players know how to pass block really well, you know, coming into high school. So, what is that like? And who are some of the guys that have really been leading that unit for you this year? Oh, we've they've done an outstanding job. We have some guys that came back you know, from last year that had played. Right now we have a sophomore playing at center, Jaden Vera. You know, he's a transfer from SJV, and he's done a great job, and he was a pleasant surprise that he came back in. You know, Jack Coran is one guard. Adam Dinehart is the other guard. He played center a year ago, both both big guys. Jack got injured uh, against Marble, and, and Carlo Nasso, who's a senior, has taken over, and he was probably the player of the game last week because he did such a great job filling in and how he did. Lorenzo Machado was one tackle, and Ethan Rifkin, and those guys have been – outstanding for us and it's really great to have them do that you know and our offensive line coach Jake White who played for us at Frio Township and knows the system and knows how we do things and repeats it and they're just doing some great things up there on that offensive line you know and they get a lot of opportunity in practice and games to practice uh pass blocking you know we do run the ball a little bit really we the only time that we run is we run on the field and off the field but when, <laughs> no, i'm just kidding but uh when they, they we threw the ball quite a bit <laughs> you know uh, sticking with the air raid and you know when you went to that not only was it such a different offense than anyone else was running not just around the shore but pretty much statewide but it was such a huge departure from the offense you were previously running at howell you guys are mostly an option team so what what went into that such a drastic change you go from this and you, know, you come in like, hey guys, you know, scrap that. We're gonna we're gonna now run this offense, which could not be more different than the one you you know were running at the time. Well, back in the day, we were running option, and we had some yeah. success in the '90s at Howell. You know, I always think back, and you know, in '95 we were ranked fourth in the shore at the end of the year, and then the next year sixth in the shore. So we were a pretty good football team in the mid '90s, running the option. We were home down back then, running mm-hmm. the split back fear, and then double tight and doing things like that. And we did have a great quarterback in Mike Sermonero, who you know, was a pretty darn good quarterback back then. And then we kind of went through a low where we weren't winning. And I just said to myself, you know what? We have to do something different. I like to throw the ball. When I first came to Howell, we were throwing the ball quite like this, but not with the success. And then we just decided, hey, we're going to go four wide. And back then, we had a consolation game Thanksgiving, so we had that long break. So I took Sean O'Reilly a couple of receivers, and the rest of the team would practice, and we were getting ready for the next season, you know, throwing the ball and doing those kind of things. And that was in 2004. And then, as I said, we got kind of lucky. We had some pretty good players come through, you know, and they really helped in uh, being able to find, you know, four quarterbacks that all went all state and then receivers that were able to catch the ball and Lyman would block. 
You also uh, gave birth to one of your excellent quarterbacks during that time. <laughs> yes, you did. Well, yeah, we did. Like, that, you didn't. That worked. You didn't specifically. Let's credit yeah. Mrs. D. Yeah, yeah, credit. Yes, Mrs. that's that is true. That is true. Yes, we we're fortunate in that. But those guys, those four quarterbacks that we have, are pretty darn good. And even you, you know, your your son who played at Lacey too when you were coaching there too. I mean, you know, and on that, how, how great was it to coach both of your sons? you know, playing at different schools, but getting a chance to coach them both in, you know, essentially the offense that you, you know, brought into the shore. It was awesome. I mean, in the, from that standpoint, to be able to do that, you know, when Ryan did some great things at the quarterback and, you know, had, I think he still holds some short conference records yeah. and, yeah. and so okay. forth. And, and, you know, he threw the ball, we threw the ball quite well when he threw it, you know, I think he completed the 70% range, which was very good. And then Connor did really well at Lacey. I think he completed like 75% for his career. You know, he, he did a great job as well. And it was very rewarding to be able to be with both of them and, and be able to do that and, and have the opportunity to do it too, you know, to be able to do it at Howe and then also with Coach Fursillo at Lacey and learn so much from those couple of three years that I was with that at Lacey as well. And Ryan still helps you out, right? He's on staff as a, I think, offensive analyst. I think you had him listed. As. Yeah, he's an offensive. You know, he 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 was on the practice field with us for a while, mm -hmm. but with his job, he's not able to to do that. So he comes on uh, game night and goes up in the press box. Him and Coach Reichenbecker, who's the defensive analyst, and you know they they're up top being able to tell me what to do and what we see. And both of them know the offense quite well, and, and Coach Reichenbecker knows the defense extremely well. You know, last one for me. Uh, you know, talking about the air raid, you got to talk about Mike Leach. And you mentioned him earlier, you know, recently passed away. Tell me about the effect he's had on, on your career. Obviously, that's, you know, someone who made the air raid, you know, as popular as it is today. Did you go out to any clinics, any stuff like that where he was coaching? Did you meet him? Like, tell me about just as far as that and, you know, his effect on, on your football career as a coach. Uh, I was going to attend well, I did attend a clinic that he was going to be at but unfortunately he never showed up uh <laughs> he, he didn't come and uh but coach mummy how uh, mummy and his son Matt mummy were there yeah. you know and those are you know how mummy was the guy that kind of created it and uh doing a lot of the things that they do and the, the thing about leach which is interesting I mean he's his, everyone will call you. He's, he's kind of, he wasn't weird, but he was quirky and had some crazy ideas. And a, a lot of those, a lot of those ideas I have. So it's kind of like, <laughs> Oh geez, I don't know. Maybe I'm in that same, same type thing, you know, spreading the ball to five different people and how they warm, how we warm up like they do. You know, we don't warm up. We don't do any stretching or anything <laughs> like that. You know, we just run on the field and play and, uh, you know, from that standpoint. So a lot of the things that they did and coach mommy did, you know, I've, I've researched and had the opportunity to go different places with uh, down to West Virginia with coach Holkson when he was there and, and different things like that, but never did get an opportunity to go to coach Leach. And just to my last one, you got, you have ocean this week mm -hmm. coming off this big win. Their offense is pretty much the polar opposite of yours, um, especially because they installed it in the middle of the season, essentially, just a couple of games ago, that wing tee. But what do you see? Uh, the, it's a non-division game, but what do you see out of the challenge of uh, Ocean this week? Well, it's a huge challenge because they're a good football team. I mean, they're right now three and three. You know, they've had their ups and downs, and it's crazy when you look at their scores you know who they beat who they lost to and how they beat them and how they lost and you know they're in the position that we're in I mean I, I don't know if they're 14th or they're they're in a playoff situation where they need a win and you know I know their coaches are saying you beat Friel Township we're going to get a lot of power points you know so they're going to be up for the game as well as we are to be able to keep ourselves in in line for the power uh, playoffs and so forth and you know when you watch them on video it they're a scary team 
So we better be ready to play. And we tell our guys that you better be ready. Uh, for Ocean, I'm not just, I'm not just saying that. <laughs> I, I believe you. From For Ocean, though, they go from defending the, the split back veer to now have to deal with you guys. So they are running the full gamut. That happens, huh? Especially at the high school level. Like it seems like you just net. There are certainly more offenses that are run than others, but it does kind of seem like you never know what you're going to get, especially playoff. And, and we always, a lot of coaches will tell me, you know, the option is hard to defend you, how to practice it, but our offense is pretty hard to mm-hmm. duplicate and practice as well. Guys running those kind of routes and having a quarterback throw it and so forth like that. So hopefully uh, that's true when Ocean's having trouble duplicating it. So we'll see how it works out. Corey, appreciate your time tonight. Always great chatting with you. You have some great insight. Uh, you've been coaching for short conference football for a long time, so you've seen pretty much all of it. So, uh, again, thank you for your time, and uh, best of luck to you guys going forward. Thank you very much, and uh, keep up the great work as always. And, you know, from wherever it was from way back when and to now, it's awesome listening to you guys and, and going – you know, I'm waiting. You got to get those elite uh, the picks up faster, though. By <laughs> Sometimes I'm looking on there trying to find out when they're going to be there. If anything, we want to delete them, them from the Internet yeah, forever. The Maybe we don't want people seeing the picks <laughs> too much. <laughs> well, usually I'd see if Kevin Williams picks because he usually picks against Township. So we got to see <laughs> if he picks us this week or not. <laughs> we'll have to reach out to Kevin, get his uh, – see what's what's his deal with the Patriots he's got that's true. he's got an unknown rush I doubt that but uh on any note Corey thanks again and uh best luck to you guys this week thank you again thanks at his freehold township head coach Corey Davies the Patriots four and three now big win great talking to Corey as always again long time short conference coach I love talking to air raid just because I'm a sucker for those high octane passing offenses and you remember mid-2000s, and he installed that howl, and it was like, what is going on? Yeah. Nobody could cover that many receivers. The passing records were just falling one by one. Yeah. Didn't he, he had one receiver that I think had like 89 catches yes. one year. And, you know, the all-shore quarterback for, I don't know, two, three, four years mm-hmm. in a row, first team. Which was, was I believe, Michael Clark, who was the brother of then. And there was Tim Lamarand. There was Chance Ryan Carrick Davies. Had, uh, yeah, he's right that they did position. have a great run of talent there. Oh, yeah. There was a ton of all-shore wideouts. Yeah. And a lot of them went into college and had, like, nice careers yes. there. Yeah. So, yeah, they Freehold Township uh, now and then, you know, his previous stop, Howell, and even time he was at Lacey. Those offenses are fun, and Friel Township is really getting it done in terms of just growing the program, as we mentioned, consistently competing. I mean, they had not had many winning seasons, as Corey mentioned. They'd never made the playoffs, and immediately they were in the playoffs and winning the playoff game, and now you said uh, you know, the expectations raised a little bit, so. Yeah, that's the thing. Once you get to that plateau, then the next people expect more, you know, Mm -hmm. well, okay, we're in every year. Now we got to win a couple of these games. Now we got to be in the finals. And again, the talent ebbs and flows at public schools. Mm -hmm. Like Corey said, you know, sometimes it's just you get a good group or you don't. Mm -hmm. Um, And I give a lot of credit to them because we don't need to get way into it. But like Corey, in the the offseason, two of their top offensive players, Chase Enlow and Sean Corchado transferred running back and receiver promising junior players that would have been like real standouts. They went to the hunt school in Princeton and, you know, talking to Nick Cardona, it was like, you know, we don't, we're not going to use an excuse. We don't need to focus on the people Mm -hmm. who left, but it was also, we want to prove that just because those guys left doesn't mean that, you know, we're not a competitive team. We're not a playoff team. Mm -hmm. They're going out and proving that with their play. And, 
and beating a traditional team like Brick that also desperately needed that yeah. win themselves. And has been playing great defense. Yeah. So that was really impressive to me was to go down there and get that win against a team whose back was also against the wall playoff-wise. And that impressive in that it, it showcased Freel Township's depth on offense. Were they able to, you know, just, again, like Corey said, there's some things change in the offseason. You kind of have to rework some personnel. And those guys have stepped up. Like a four wide receivers with 20-plus catches. So clearly the depth there ha has come through. And those players who were presented with the opportunity have taken it uh, and run with it. So good stuff from Corey and certainly good stuff from Dom early. We'll keep it right here uh, before we wrap it up. Just touch on some of the games, kind of the calm before the storm. You know, week six with Heat was huge in terms of multiple teams getting at least a share of division title. Next week, it's going to be a lot of those division titles. Six of the seven can be wrapped up. This week, all non-divisional games except the one Patriot division game on Saturday, Keyport at Keensburg, but two non-divisional games stick out. Marlboro at Rumson Fairhaven on Friday night. Then the other one is Matawan visiting Point Borough. You know, we've touched on the, uh, you know, Matt and Marlboro and then Point Borough. So those are big games for both of those teams, even though they're non-division. And this is a chance for Rumson to re-inject themselves mm -hmm. in the conversation a little bit. They've been, they've been scuffling against an absolute bear of a schedule. They've lost a couple in a row, you know, what, four in a row now? Yeah. Yeah. They, so they're looking to... Again, their focus is always let's get group two and win that. Mm -hmm. But still, you want to be feeling good going into the postseason and a win over an undefeated team. Not that they need the PowerPoints. They already <laughs> have like a billion. So they should be the number one seed. But again, you want to cement that. But I think it's also the feeling of, you know, let's get some good vibes going. Let's beat a good team. And it's a huge contrast. Marlboro, mm -hmm. physical run team, tough defense that hasn't really played teams that throw the ball a ton. Yeah. Um, so there's the, there's that question. And again, Marlboro, not a traditional they power. Did, however, they did play free attack. They did. That's true. Right. Did, so they, but you're they right. It's, it's more often than not, they're seeing teams like Jackson who it's strength on strength. We're going to run the ball at you. No, we're going to stop it. So this right. is definitely another test for their secondary, which has been probably the most underrated part of their team. You know, Luke Houston, Nick Scaff, Ball Hawks back there. The pass rush has really helped that out. Certainly be a little different, I think, because Owen O'Toole, Rumson's junior quarterback, does such a good job of getting the ball out quickly. So, it's, again, that cat and mouse game. I'm not going to lie that it doesn't seem a little surreal of, like, Rumson being the underdog, mm -hmm. technically, rankings-wise, at home against Marlboro. Yeah. Like, you said that sentence, like, six years ago. People would be think you would... You know, it had to be institutionalized. <laughs> but now that's just the way the shore has changed. And kudos to Marlboro, obviously. And I think this is also, again, we talk about the different divisions. You know, can a team near the bottom or middle of the pack in the American division, like can a, a lower t a team in a lower division mm -hmm. that's a division champ rise up and beat them? You know, how good is that American? Point Borough did it. Mm -hmm. They rose up and beat Rumson. Uh, so I think this is a chance for these other teams to show, like, not every great team in the shore is in the American division. Yeah. Like, we're playing some good football down here, too. And then, conversely, how does Point Borough rebound yeah. from this Manalpin loss against a Manalpin or a Matawan team that knows they can make their season on this yeah. game? And playoff-wise, they are sitting right on the razor's edge. I believe Matawan is, like, 16th. Yeah. And so you're right. They from 0 and 4, if they can find a way to go into Point Burrow and win that game, they get they come all the way back at 4 and 4, and they will get an absolute cornucopia of power points. And that will, 
you know, there's a good chance that could solidify them in the postseason. Oh, you'd think so. it would have to. They'd probably yeah. jump up multiple A spots. lot on the line. And for Point Borough, the, the stakes aren't the same as far as that, the playoff position, or even it's a non-division game, so it has nothing to do with the Colonial Division. But in terms of confidence and momentum and all that, the intangibles, Point Borough's got to turn around and win that game. So those are two really intriguing storylines to watch for Friday night. And the question is, can Matawan rise up to that level? Yes, they've won three in a row, but they have not played a team no. the caliber of Point Borough. But Manalpin has some serious stars on that, or Matawan has right. some serious stars on that team. And if those guys come to play and they're playing, like I remember talking to Colin Palumbo a couple of weeks mm-hmm. ago, their standout uh, running back, and he said, you know, if we play the way we're capable of, like no one should be able to stop us. Like that's yeah. the level of talent that and they're we have. playing with that kind of confidence too, which is even you know just as important. so now can you go out and prove that against a team that has set the standard to some degree? You know, has been a top group two contender here for a couple of weeks. I mean, Madawan's a different group, so they're not going to get you know yes. tons and tons of points. Like they're group three, mm-hmm. but still, from a team that you know has only one loss, you're going to get a, a ton of points yes. if you win that game, but. That's the question. Can this star-studded Matawan team that has a lot, you know, multiple FBS recruits, like mm-hmm. some of the biggest recruiting names in the short conference, yes. can they go in and get a win at? And when's the last team, you know, that's win- how how often are teams going into Alexander Field and getting wins in the last couple of years? It's it's been a really tough place to play, uh, and especially Point Borough. You know, they're going to be fired up now, and you. It, they said all the right things, and you know it certainly looked like their focus. I don't think the focus was the issue for Point Bar. I mean, Alvin just played a really good yes. game, but now you know they are going to be in a bad mood and looking to turn things around. So those are going to be two really fun games. So be sure to follow all the action uh, this weekend on ShoreSportsNetwork.com. You can follow myself and Scott on Twitter as well to get some you know live updates depending on where we are on Friday. We'll have all that up. The Elite Sports Physical Dairy picks of the week. We'll get those up earlier for Corey. Make sure we can view those. Try to get those up. Got to uh, get that bulletin board Thursday material printed out <laughs> nice and early and get it up there. Get your players mad for a couple out. days. That's true. I always I'm trying to because I'm the one who compiles them, so I do get to be able to kind of see what everyone else did. First. Yeah, that's that's so. Well, I, I will say you're cheating. I. <laughs> Fair, I was tired. I've been like point. in a dead heat with you, and I was thinking about that the other day. <laughs> he gets to look at my picks, and we're like tied for first, and decide which one he wants to diverge from to try to take the lead on me. I don't care. I'll still find a way. I promise I do it with the utmost respect and integrity <laughs> for the picks. But uh, yeah, we'll try to get those up ASAP. You're right. So they get laminated and printed out. If, if everyone has picked one team and it's within reasonable doubt, though, I do try to go and pick the other team. You don't. You don't want to get memed. We try our best to avoid that. That's here. true too. Yeah, you don't want the like <laughs> nobody believed in us. Where yes. you're, just, you know, like you're like every, I did, like Hold everybody on. picking Point Borough. Like, yes. <laughs> well, and on that front, like we said, I mean, that was, it was, right. I, everyone ha- kind of had to pick Point Borough. You know, Manalpin did the job of, right. you know, pulling the upset. But you're right; it's always good, and that's the fun part of it—the picks, the rankings, all that stuff. Uh, it's just for fun. It's what is the old saying? The only one that ma- the only ranking that matters the is the last one. one. So you want to be at the top and uh, also too, as much as we love and, and promote the rankings and it's fun. And we look, we've been doing it. And so has everyone for a million years and it'll continue. They don't put your short conference ranking on the banner unless it's number one. That's why I say so, you don't have a reunion because you finished like number six yes. in our poll or something, as much as we'd love to think it was that important <laughs> to you. Um, 
And it's also all Bob's fault. That's just what I don't know. He's doing that. Yes. I put my two cents in, which is great. So I get to have my opinion, <laughs> but I don't get any of the pushback. That's all his. Yes. Mind. Any and all hate mail, make sure you direct that to scott.stomp <laughs> at whatever so-and-so. We're deleting that email. <laughs> exactly. So uh, that'll do it for us uh, for this week's six, uh, six edition. Thank you very much again to our guest, Manalpin head coach, Dom Lepore, Freel Township head coach, Corey Davies. We'll be back next week. Uh, who knows who we'll be talking to. It's all going to depend on what goes down in week seven. Again, head to shoresportsnetwork.com and check it all out. For Scott Stump, I'm Bob Batters. Thank you again for watching and listening to the Varsity Link Coaches Corner on the Shore Sports Network, and we'll see you next week. The right way to top a sub is with real red wine vinegar made from red grapes and no food coloring. And the right way to film it is in slow motion, obviously. Because authentic ingredients make a sub above. 